We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Ultimately, we are not the holders of knowledge any longer, right? Maybe at one point in time, teachers were the, were the holders of knowledge. We are no longer the holders of knowledge. We are no longer teachers of content. We are teachers of human beings and we help them become better human beings through the content that we expose them to. Giving ourselves permission to think of our jobs in that way, knowing that these are the people that I get to teach. How am I going to help them become better human beings and then expose them to the content that you have to teach in a new way? Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Melissa Dean is a classroom educator with over 20 years of teaching, coaching, and mentoring experience, having taught all the way from K to grade 12. She's passionate about assessment and evaluation and education reform, particularly in the area of mathematics. When she is not teaching, she can be found running, writing, drinking coffee, or working part-time at a local bakery specializing in sourdough bread. She's known for her infectious laugh and ridiculous jokes. Most recently, she's an author whose recent release, Unravel School, brings to life the idea of leveling up and disrupting the experience of learning. I can't wait to talk to Melissa today because I'm sure she's going to bring a lot of great things we can talk about. And I'm also interested in the sourdough bread thing she's got going on. So welcome, Melissa. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. So, Melissa, you've got this new, as people heard in the biography, you're about education reform and doing things differently. And uh, you've got this new book out preaching about this Unravel School. Why don't you... um, Tell the listeners a little bit about that and a, a little bit more about you mixed in if you want. Yeah, great. So that book really was an opportunity for me to use the word preach a little bit on it. Um, that's totally what I'm not that I'm, not not so it's totally <laughs> what I'm like. But one of the things that doesn't always come out in my bio is that I'm pretty much always talking about assessment and evaluation. It's just a thing that I'm super, super passionate about as an educator. And if like you walk by my classroom, you're like, hey, what's going on? I'm going to be like, hey, 
How, how are you doing? Let's talk about some assessment stuff. Let's talk about, you know, <laughs> what's, uh, what's your classroom? How's it going right now? What, what's coming up next? It's people know that that's what I'm really passionate about. So when I was asked if I wanted to write a book about assessment and my thoughts about it, the answer was a hard yes, obviously. And I didn't know. It took me a while to find my writing voice. I didn't know that I had a writing voice until I started blogging. I do have a blog that I update once. uh, Well, I try to update at least once a week. Um, I didn't know that I really had a specific voice until somebody else told me. And that's been the story of my career. I didn't know I was a leader until someone came alongside me and said, hey, you've got some some leadership potential. I want you to step into it. Hey, you've got a writing voice. I want you to step into it. Uh, And so some people encouraged me to write. And I found that having that platform to just really reimagine and think about now is such a crucial time in education. I think we probably could say that, have said that lots of times over the course of history, but I feel like where we are right now, having come out of this pandemic time of remote learning, we have the opportunity right now to really imagine school to be something entirely different than what it has been before. Because we just got shown that school could be something entirely different than what we thought it was. And I think going through that experience of remote learning and teaching in a hybrid model and really having to kind of reimagine, if you will, what we were doing as educators, that experience for me really opened my eyes to the opportunities that we have right now to continue to put into place some of those changes that maybe we've dreamed about and kind of maybe people have had rumbling around in the back of their minds for a while. So when, uh, when I sat down to write it, that was the course of the books. The book really is part memoir, part my own thoughts on, on how we could reimagine and re-envision what's, what learning really could be like. Um, I share the story of my very early career. So, you know, having taught for 20 years in, the, in two different provinces in the country of Canada in a variety of settings, I feel has brought me, brings me a voice that um, is relatable to a variety of educators And I really wanted to help people to dream big because I think now is the time for dreaming big. And one of my favorite analogies in the book is thinking about athletes, runners in starting blocks. If you ever watch track and field, when when you watch people run, right, the athletes, they have to settle into the starting blocks to begin, but they don't stay there. I think a lot of us get the ideas we want, we think about, we we, we have some thoughts, yep, we're ready to maybe make a change but we get stuck in those starting blocks. But we can't be stuck in the starting blocks anymore. Now is the time to launch forward. And so my hope really is that when people read my book, they realize it's time for them to get, to get out of that starting blocks. It gives them a little bit of a push to maybe try out some of the things they've been thinking about for a while. That's awesome. Let's, can, if you don't mind, let's stick with that idea, that, image, that imagery of starting blocks and getting stuck Ooh. in the starting blocks. And it's, it's time to start. And something you said really resonated with me, the idea of you didn't know you were a leader um, and you said a writer as well. You didn't know you were a writer until someone showed you that you were or encouraged you that you were um, Mm -hmm. or a word I like to I like to use in that situation is empowered you Mm -hmm. to be a writer or a leader. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about that and, and how that came about? What did that look like for you? 
When I set out to be a teacher, interestingly enough, part of my own journey was like as, as, a, as a young person going through university, I knew there was two things I was never going to be. I was never going to be a doctor and I was never going to be a teacher. <laughs> those were the two things that I said. I didn't know what I was going to be, but I knew that those were the two things I wasn't going to be. And then I had like this light bulb moment go off for me in my fourth year of university finishing up my science degree, sitting around a cafeteria, probably telling terrible jokes about bacteria and viruses because that's what I studied. And a big fan of like terrible, corny, awful jokes. Um, That's what we did for fun. We sat around and talked about terrible jokes. Um, I, I had the realization that I wanted to not only understand and learn, but I wanted to help other people learn. So when I, when I became a teacher, I always said, I'm going to be a teacher, but I'm not going to be, I don't want to be in administration. I don't want to be a leader. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to be a classroom teacher. That's what I wanted to do. And I found myself in a, uh, I just changed schools and I was a grade eight teacher and I had to give a speech at graduation. I had to present some awards and I wrote out my speech and didn't really think much of it. And I got up and I delivered my speech uh, for this award for, I don't even remember what award it was for a particular student. But afterwards, my principal came up to me and he said, when you talk, people listen. And I looked at him and thought, that is not, never in a million years would I have ever thought that myself. And so the next school year, the same principal came alongside me and he was looking for lead teachers to take on some leadership in formal ways, but also informally. He, he just kind of stepped in alongside me and said, we have these, these opportunities and I think, I think this is something you want to step into um, to be a lead teacher and take on some formal leadership. Um, I've always really felt a call to being a mentor and being a coach as an as a veteran teacher now, I feel like part of my role is to support younger teachers. So I'd always sort of taken on leadership myself, sort of under the radar. But to have someone again come alongside me that I respected and give me a little bit of push and say, "We have this opportunity. I think you should apply for this." Hearing that from somebody else outside of myself, I think we do a really good job of seeing ourselves. In negative ways, we don't always see all the positives. Our perspective on ourselves is is, is not always the truth of our of our reality. And certainly, it wasn't mine. I didn't see myself in that light at all. And along the course of my teaching career, as I've I've had to change schools for a variety of reasons, I've always found myself thinking, "I'm going to travel this road," and then someone coming alongside me and going. Nope, I think actually you want to travel down this road and, and being stuck at that crossroads and going, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I trust this person. I respect this person and their viewpoint. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be willing to go down that road. And each time I found myself, I want to say pleasantly surprised, but you know, you think after a while I wouldn't be surprised because it's happened so many times to me that I've like had in my head, like I, I'm thinking I'm going this way. This is with the road that I want. And then somebody that I respect coming alongside me and kind of changing my mindset and saying like, I just had a principal say to me a few years ago now um, with no res- no disrespect to any of the you know classroom teachers that I was working with at the time or as being as a classroom teacher, but she came up to me and I was struggling with my position in the school and 
trying to find my place. And she said, you have bigger things to do than this. And that has stuck with me. And so when, whenever someone comes alongside me, whether it's, you know, a principal, I had um, an author come alongside me uh, after something I tweeted and sort of say, you know what, your blog is, is amazing. You need to write a book. Oh, okay. And then I had somebody else in, independently come along and say, someone, again, somebody that I respected and knew in a different circle come along and say, I think you should write a book. So I've learned to have open ears for those moments in my life when um, unexpectedly, I think that has been the key for me is when I was least expecting it, I've had these people come in and join the journey with me and, and kind of give me the nudge and say, you have bigger things to do than this. So like, let, let's not be afraid to do those big things. What a fantastic story. And the idea that, you know, really kind of tipping your hat to those others that have, that have helped you along the way. It makes me think we're going to lean on all your classroom expertise now. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously people are in the education game to help students succeed. And I talk about doing that by helping teachers succeed and making teachers better so that they can affect more students from, from my chair. That's the way I can, I can move the dial. But one of the things that you, you mentioned a bunch of things. You, you talked about trust and you talked about having open ears, keeping your ears open for moments like that. How can teachers do that in a very real way for students in their classrooms? And because I know that that's kind of your bag. Yeah. Even through assessment and evaluation and stuff like that. Absolutely. That is such a good question. And I think it's part of being a teacher, being an educator that, that we don't often think very much about, at least not when we're doing our teacher training. Um, so much of, of training to become a teacher is about knowing your content, knowing how to do a lesson plan, knowing how to, you know, sort of how to do some classroom management. And but by the way, you have to build relationships. So, you know, nobody teaches you about like how to run the photocopier or how to build a relationship with a student. They just are kind of like, you got to do X, Y, Z. Those are the things you need to do. We go into teaching, I think, looking forward to, I know for myself, looking forward to hearing our own voice. I know when I was a teacher, when I was going into being a teacher, that was that was what it was going to be about, right? It's going to be my classroom. I was going to be at the front. I was going to be the voice. Kids were going to listen to me and they were going to learn from me. And I certainly think that that is part of being a teacher. But over the course of 20 years, I've come to recognize that the classroom is absolutely not about me. Um, in fact, I think teaching is is nothing to do with the teacher. Well, it's everything and nothing to do with the teacher because really it's everything to do with the kids that you have in front of you. And when you change your mindset to recognize that the voice in the room that needs to be heard is not yours, then your only recourse is to start listening to the voices in the room around you. And it takes a shift. It takes... a when we think again to go back to that like starting blocks analogy i think we know this we're starting to know this i think teachers especially as they go on in their career start to recognize that building relationships is really about listening with these open ears to everything that goes on around us but we we get really okay with sitting in that starting block moment 
Because once you start listening to those voices, you recognize that you have to give up control over almost everything, even your lesson plans, even your unit plans, even, you know, that like assignment that you really personally love that you have the pages laminated for because it's that good. You laminated them. They are amazing. You're going to reuse it forever. You have to be willing to say, you know what? This thing that I love is not working for this group of kids. And you have to be able to take your laminated page and, I mean, you don't have to get rid of it. Maybe you're going to save it for the next year's kids and try that one out again. But having those listening ears, even if you do it for, you know, try to think about like one, one period a day, you're going you're gonna to open up your learning or, or 10 minutes of the day are going to become opened up learning time. You're going to say, all right, kids, you have, you have 15 minutes, learn something that, you know, do something that brings you joy. And then, then tell, be, be ready to tell back to your classmates or to myself about what that thing was that you did that, was, that brought you joy. Those little baby steps of starting to peel away the layers of whose voice is loudest, that's where it starts. And that's where it started for me. So you're talking, you're, you're dancing around a, a whole larger topic, which is, which is awesome. I'd love to dive into you and dive into, into that topic with you more. But how, so what you're talking about is um, for students learning instead of passing, worrying about learning instead of getting passing grades. And you're talking for teachers about, um, you're talking about, teaching instead of performing yes, for a pass and evaluation piece. So how, so how do leaders get teachers into that mind frame, that mindset? How do they empower teachers to take that step and how do teachers get students to do that? Just, and just for a quick example, I, so I had a teacher do just what you're talking about. They taught, they taught a course and they, every Friday gave students the whole class period that Friday to work on a pre-selected topic that they had that interested them. And they could show that they had learned about it in any way they wanted. They could show their understanding in any way they wanted, as long as it linked back to obviously the content standards. They got to the end. Some turned in very intricate things um, where you're like, oh, oh, how did they spend so many hours on this? (laughs) And, And others turned in where you said, well, maybe they should have spent a little more time on it. They're not showing me through their method of showing me their understanding that they're interested in it. And the teacher looked at me at the end and showed them all to me. And there was that step, right? That, that glimmer of this is the direction we should be heading in. But then the teacher looked at me and said, so awesome. Love doing it. How the heck do I grade this stuff? Like, what do I put in the grade book? And so then, you know, that becomes a whole nother discussion. So Yes. So, so what can leaders, I guess, do help teachers do that? And, and what can teachers do to help students get involved in that? I have been really fortunate to have leaders be the kind of people who have said to, to me um, and to the whole staff that I have been working with that, that it's okay to not be so tied to your curriculum that you lose sight of the the humanity of it all. And I think reminding ourselves of that, I think for leaders, I think of admin, I think of just teacher leaders who are working with younger teachers, reminding ourselves that ultimately we are not 
the, the holders of knowledge any longer, right? Maybe at one point in time, teachers were the, were the holders of knowledge. We are no longer the, holder, the holders of knowledge. We are no longer teachers of content. We are teachers of human beings and we help them become better human beings through the content that, we're, that we expose them to. Giving ourselves permission to think of our jobs in that way, knowing that these are the people that I get to teach. How am I going to help them become better human beings? And then expose them to the content that you have to teach in a new way, thinking about what are the skills ultimately that they need to know? And this is where I would have said to that teacher that you were talking about that says, well, what do I put in the grade book? This is that whole reimagining of what is it exactly we're supposed to be assessing? What is it exactly we're, we're doing here with all of this? And so helping teachers and leaders at the same time, I think, you know, having frank conversations with our administration and, and as well is that shift away from assessing content and shift towards assessing skills. Because no matter what content you're teaching, ultimately what it comes down to is the skills that our students are building through those experiences. That's what we need to be assessing. And so those students that you're, you know, you're, you're describing with that teacher who let them have that time, you know, no matter what they learned, they all picked up, hopefully, some skills that they can be learning to grow from. So I think as we want to help teachers be willing to do that, they need permission to see themselves in a new way. And that only comes, I think, from being around people who see themselves as teachers in a new way, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, I'm actually glad you asked me if it makes sense because it's so clear that my only answer for that was, wow. <laughs> That's so true to, to be able to create that community. And, and I mean, let's be honest with each other. We, we see that in classrooms. That's why some classrooms perform differently than other classrooms and why certain things work in different classrooms with the same group of students, obviously, on the same day, obviously, because they're different every day. But yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Look, we've we've talked a lot about, you know, different ways to reimagine and how to look at things. I want to take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, come back and and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Better Leaders Better Schools Mastermind. The mastermind is built on the ABCs of powerful professional development, authenticity, belonging, and challenge. With all three components, leaders experience transformation in their personal and professional lives. Personally, I've been a member of the Mastermind for years, and it's transformed my leadership by teaching me how to challenge the status quo and honor my personal vision for what leadership should be. Join me and other leaders from around the world in the Mastermind. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. 
So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, and we're back with Melissa. And, you know, just we've been talking a lot about um, different pieces of how we move students to look at, you know, learning for the sake of learning instead of grades, how we look at um, getting teachers to embrace the idea of what assessment could be or what it should be assessing. One of the things I, I really want to ask you, Melissa, is if I were to walk into your perfect school, what should school or, or I mean, I say school because of the physical building, right? We get caught up in the physical building. What should school or education in general look like for students and teachers? This is something that I reflect on a lot, actually. Awesome. <laughs> I've been thinking about, probably have been thinking about it for like the past five years. And I'm only now maybe thinking about being able to articulate what I think it should be like, what it could be like. Um, and I even like, even just thinking about talking about it gives me kind of goosebumps up my spine a little bit because I think there is so much potential for these things to happen now that um, I get really excited about it. So in my head, I have this vision uh, and it takes me back to when I was a university student and we had these huge, I went to a very, a fairly large university in Southwestern Ontario and we had these huge libraries and in those libraries were all these different kinds of learning spaces. There was conference rooms. There was big tables where you could sit in large groups with whiteboards. There was little hidey hole places where you could sit and, and work on your own. And then there was the library staff that are kind of weaving their way in and out and through all these learners as they are going about whatever stage in learning that they are in. And when I envision what school could be like, that is what I see it as. I see it as this open learning commons type space with a variety of different kinds of places for people to be learning and being supported by the, I was going to use the word experts, but I hesitated a little bit to use the word expert because I, I think there's more to it than that. I think it's a little bit more nuanced. I don't think it's necessarily that you're the expert in the room. I think it's more, you're the lead learner. That's, I like that phrase a little bit better. I see them being supported by lead learners at the right moment, at the right time, when they have a question, when they're, when they're primed for learning. Almost, almost to the point where there's the, the vibe even of, and I'm going to, you know, name drop, almost, almost a Starbucks feel. I love this notion of open spaces where people can be and talk and share and learn. And I think classrooms have the capability to be like that if we set them up that way. And I think we could envision the larger school building to have that same vibe where it's less about these little you know, when I envision my hallway right now, I just see this hallway, it's wide open, there's a big window at the end of my, my neighborhood hallway, and there's all these little rooms off the side and the doors are closed, and it's very silent if you walk down the hallway. What I would like to see and what I think we could move into is instead of closed doors, 
more like open networks of rooms with people learning in different ways at different times. I think it's, it's a big vision. It's, <laughs> it would, it would really be a reimagining. Uh, it would be a, a, a total shift in giving up the control from teacher to learner and teacher being a learner alongside. But I think it can, I think we're starting to see glimpses of it. And I know I, I'm starting to see glimpses of it a little bit in my classroom as I have given up time that used to be for me in the classroom to say to my students, this is the learning, you know, this is the learning we, we need to do or we, we're ready for. How are we going to go about learning it? This, time, th this is the time for you to start making a decision. And I think that can work from with students of all ages, having them be involved in making those decisions. The minute we start opening that up, we see the cracks of that happening because some kids will gather in small groups and talk together. Some kids want to squirrel themselves away with a Chromebook and just do research and read a book and then come back and talk to me about it. Some kids want to move back and forth from that model. So I see so much more openness and flexibility and a moving around the space as necessary. I almost you, so it's interesting. I've got this bit, people can't see, but I've got a smile on my face as you were talking about that, because it's almost like we have pods here in the States in middle schools and a lot of middle schools. And it's, you've got like the common area and then you've got the rooms off of it. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, some teachers still close their rooms. I almost see it as like a free flowing pod mm -hmm. where the students mm -hmm. go back and forth. And one of the reasons I was smiling is because I'm, I'm starting to renovate the library at my high school. And I'm creating a large cafe type area in the middle of it with a, like a formal classroom space on one end. It's a big library and it's all flexible. And I have like a study area where it's quieter on the other end and the bookshelves are on casters. So yeah. you can wheel them around and create different spaces and things like that. It. So that's, that's why I was smiling. It made me feel good. I'm like, yeah, she agrees with that. Yes, um, that's exactly, that is exactly like if I could, if I think about like, if I was designing a classroom, like a perfect classroom, that's exactly what it would be like. It would have, it would be this space where everything is movable. There's, there's a, like a, a learning area where we can, if we needed to all be together as a big group, we can be together as a big group. But then after that, we can section ourselves out and move things around and reimagine what we need for the time the, the time of day or learning or, or objective, whatever, whatever it is we're working on. So like, yeah, absolutely. That just, that just makes my heart burst with joy thinking about. <laughs> well, no, that, I mean, that's a great idea when you talk about physical spaces, because oftentimes we conform to the physical space we're provided, right? Yeah. So if we could, if we could be flexible, unfortunately, we've got a lot of constraints as far as physical sites and money yes. and things like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, if only. We can dream. We can, we can dream. Hey, you know, ideas have to come from somewhere. So if, if they don't come from dreams, then where are they going to come from? But Absolutely. Now, now we just need more people like you to write books and, <laughs> and get those dreams out in front of people. And we can, uh, we can get some of these things happening. Yeah. We're getting near the end of the podcast. So I, I asked two questions of every guest that comes on the podcast. So you're not escaping. You're going to get the two questions as well. <laughs> yes. The first one is if you were not a teacher, 
who, not what, would you be? This is such an important question to think about because it really, it made me really sort of step back and think about not, not separating what, my, what I do from who I am, but thinking about how what I do has impacted who I am as a person. And if I wasn't a teacher, I would be someone who is very quiet, very introverted. I would likely live in a cabin in the woods somewhere uh, and I would bake bread oh, there you go. And, and probably write for myself. Um, I'm very naturally um, quite introverted. Uh, I'm very much a homebody. I'm very much somebody who craves sort of that quiet, alone type of time. Being a teacher has helped me appreciate that part of who I am, my, my quiet introverted side, but it has also shaped me into somebody who is, is confident. And I think being, not being a teacher, I would not have had those experiences that have raised my level of confidence as a person, as a human being. That's a great answer. I've, it, it's funny because I asked that question and so many people approach it from different ways. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, we're all individuals, but it, it's funny how different people approach it. And I, I love the way you looked at the type of person that teaching has made you. The, the final question I have is kind of, kind of wraps it all up. Yeah. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? One of the things that I have learned the most in my own opportunities to be a leader is the very important skill of two sort of mindsets to keep in mind. Number one is to presume positive intentions. When we are talking to people, to presume that they are coming to us in a way that is meant not for harm for anybody involved. Now, you may not agree with what they have to say, and they may not agree with what you have to say, but presuming that they're coming to us or approaching that out of a mindset of they have a positive intention for themselves, for you, for somebody else, maybe their child, maybe a colleague, that they're bringing with them into this conversation is really important. And alongside that, it comes you know a similar... A similar phrase is that, you know, some of the best advice I have been given as a leader that I would continue to give to other leaders is to listen, to understand, not listen to respond. We do a really, really great job at listening to responding, right? We're listening to go, when can I talk next? <laughs> right? When can I answer this question? That you know, When can I respond to this person who's brought this problem to me or who is upset with me or who is upset with this colleague or experienced this hardship? When, when, when do I get to respond? But listening to understand and listening not to respond, but to really hear, just like we do in the classroom when we work with our kids, that has been the best advice I have received as a leader when I'm working with teachers um, I got have had in various capacities of my career been a teacher who comes into other teachers' classrooms to listen to and observe and see and help teachers grow. 
And that's only effective if I listen to their story. Where, what is their story? What is, where are they on their journey? Not here's where I am on my journey and now I shall impart wisdom upon, upon them. I think we, we assume that someone who is a leader has wisdom to impart, but we as the leader need to be listening, not so that we're ready to impart the wisdom, but so that we can join in the story of that person because that's where our impact is going to come from. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, as I said in the beginning, you're going to have a ton of great things to say and did not disappoint right up to your last sentence. Uh, look, I, I can't imagine. First of all, I'm going to tell everybody they've got to go get your book, Unravel School, um, especially just after listening to you today and some of the things you have to say. So I'm really encouraging my listeners to do that. And I'm even encouraging them more so to even reach out to you. So if they wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Probably the best way to get in touch with me is through my Twitter handle. Um, do you want me to tell you what it is? Or do you yeah. want to drop it in the show notes? I'll tell you what. How about we do both? Okay. So it's uh, at Dean underscore of underscore math. And uh, that's my Instagram handle as well if you want to look me up on Instagram. But definitely sending me a DM through Twitter is is by far the best way to get uh, in touch with me initially. And then after that, we can move over to a different platform if we need to. Perfect. Melissa, thanks. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I, you know, I, I always say I learned something and I've, I've learned about six or seven or eight things from you today. So I, I really <laughs> appreciate amazing. it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Well, that's a wrap. But not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.